You're listening to The Bloodline with LLS. We'll be joined by experts who will help us understand current issues and resources available to those diagnosed with blood cancer. Holidays and, you know, those things are, are, mean so much more now than they did prior to cancer entering our lives. This may potentially be a cure for some patients. We'll also be speaking with patients and caregivers who will share their cancer journey with us to better understand life after diagnosis and let you know you're not alone. Beforehand, my job was to earn a living for my family. My wife said to me, your job now is to live. And that's what I'm doing. I'm living my life the way I want to live it, and I'm really enjoying it. It's a much more fulfilling life. Let's get started. Welcome to The Bloodline with LLS. I'm Shona. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am recording on-site at CancerCon, taking place this weekend in Denver, Colorado. Here with me today is Ellen Palomero, a clinical social worker at the City of Hope in Duarte, California. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Shona. So for those who don't know, CancerCon is held every year by an organization called Stupid Cancer, which is an organization that provides support to young adults who are currently diagnosed with cancer or who are cancer survivors. And LLS attends every year. We have a presence here because around 40% of CancerCon attendees are blood cancer patients. Mm -hmm. So we come here to provide resources and talk to patients in real time. So Ellen, you're here with us today. Could you tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you here to CancerCon and what brought you to your profession in general? Sure, absolutely. So I've been in oncology for about 10 years, and actually my start was with hematology and blood cancer patients. So I worked on our um, bone marrow and stem cell transplant unit at City of Hope for the first several years that I was there and ran the Leukemia mm-hmm. Lymphoma Support Group on campus. So thanks to you guys for the support you offer to those mm-hmm. hospitals that are hosting support groups. And during the time that I was working in hematology, I really saw the impact of cancer, not only on the specific person that is diagnosed, but on the family unit as a whole and on intimate partners, especially. And City of Hope has what is a a pretty comprehensive program supporting partners, couples, intimate relationships as people are going through cancer together. And so a few years ago, I had the opportunity to join this team and start working with couples. And it felt like a really natural segue for me, having been in that area that I could focus on caregivers and then getting to focus more specifically on the, the partnership, the intimate relationship that couples have during this time. So that's a little bit of my professional history. And then CancerCon, I have been coming, this is my fourth year at CancerCon. I've been hosting a Couples Coping with Cancer session for the, this will be the fourth year, so for the past three years. And this is um, one of my favorite things that I do every year, one of my favorite conferences, hands down. Um, The people at Stupid Cancer are incredibly passionate about the work they do, and the the energy at this conference is unmatched yeah. <laughs> in my experience anywhere else. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just, I love coming. I always go back feeling refreshed about my work and the patients that I work with and my life in general. <laughs> I always feel like a better person when I come back from CancerCon. And I think, you know, that one of the things about supporting the AYA community specifically is that working in a a large cancer setting, I know that when you walk the halls, 
young adults are not the faces that you see the most often. They tend to be in the minority. And so for people who are young adults diagnosed with cancer, they feel alone. They feel like an anomaly. And then being able to have this resource to connect them to, this um, community to connect them to helps them feel a little bit less alone. So I'm just hugely thankful that Stupid Cancer and CancerCon offer this for our young adults out there. I completely agree. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> um, could you tell me a little bit more about the Couples Coping with Cancer Together program at City of Hope? Sure, I could. It's a program that's specifically for intimate relationships. So that can be marriages, spouses, or just long-term partners, girlfriends, boyfriends. It doesn't matter if you are in a relationship and you consider that person to be your significant other. We are there for you. We offer kind of three different types of support at the hospital. The broadest type of support we offer is our support group that is specifically for couples, but not specifically for a certain cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So people come with all different diagnoses. We don't focus in a lot on the medical side of cancer. We focus more on the emotional impact on the relationship. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty special group. The people that come come ready to be very honest and vulnerable and talk about how this has been impacting their life and how they want to make life better as they're going through this together. So that's sort of one branch. <laughs> and then we have what we kind of refer to our, as our preventative care or our inoculation. And that's a 30-minute session typically that we do with patients and partners who are newly diagnosed to talk about what to expect when it comes to a cancer diagnosis, its impact on the relationship, stress, how stress impacts people differently, how they can best support each other, better communicate with each other, and, and thrive really during this time of, of treatment and then recovery as well. And then the last thing we offer to patients and partners is ongoing counseling. If they need more support than just that one-time session or the support group offers, we meet individually with couples to help support them in rebuilding or problem-solving in their relationship as they go through this time. That's excellent. Really excellent. Is this type of program offered at many other hospitals, or is City of Hope a pioneer in that aspect? As far as we know, it is not offered anywhere else. So this was really a, a pioneering program. So there definitely are support services for couples at other hospitals, mm -hmm. but we don't know of anything else that's this comprehensive. Right. So we're really lucky to have the support of the hospital as well as actually support from some past patients and partners that have you know, come to help us build this program to be able to offer this type of comprehensive support. Yeah, that sounds so important to be able to offer that type of program because you know, if you're in an intimate partner relationship, if you're married, uh, have a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, you really do take on that diagnosis together. Absolutely. And I, you know, I was in the session this morning hearing the young caregiver talking about, you know, caregiving for her husband and the mm -hmm. challenges that she found. So what can a caregiver expect when a partner is diagnosed? I think that one of the expectations that's helpful for both people in the relationship to have, not just the caregiver, but the partner as well, is that cancer is hard <laughs> and relationships can be hard as well. And that when you put cancer and relationships together, they don't tend to get easier. They tend to face challenges. Mm -hmm. Challenges rise to the surface. So I think one of the things that often happens, one of the things that I see with couples is that when their loved one is diagnosed with cancer, they have this expectation that they put on themselves that they will suddenly become 
superhuman mm -hmm. and be able to do all things, <laughs> you know, with grace and skill and ease. And even though they still have to run the rest of their lives right. and manage everything else that they were managing before cancer, that they will take on the full responsibility of caring for their partner as well. And that it won't be a problem. I won't say it won't impact them, but that they, that they can do it, you know, no problem. They can do it. And that they can do it without asking questions, <laughs> without needing help or support or instruction or anything along those lines. It's this sort of funny expectation that we put on ourselves that we should be able to step into this perfect partner caregiver role and not falter. Mm -hmm. And I think that this happens in all varieties of relationships, not just in intimate relationships. But when somebody is diagnosed, when cancer enters into the picture, you want to become the very best version of yourself and you want everyone around you to become the best versions of themselves as well. But that that's really not often the case, that often the stress, the stress is what really makes us struggle, both individually and in our relationships. And and that we need to give ourselves that that grace and that permission to not be perfect, either as the caregiver or as the one that's diagnosed with and in treatment for cancer. So great transition to I was going to ask you, what can the patient expect from their from their perspective when they're in a relationship or they're part of a couple? From their partner or just in terms of the in terms of how that diagnosis will affect their relationship with their partner? I think that the safest expectation is simply that it will mm -hmm. impact your relationship and that if you go into this intentionally in your relationship, it can impact it for the better. That a lot of couples, a lot of relationships strengthen, people grow closer, they learn more about themselves and about each other during this time, and they come out the other end more connected, better able to understand and support each other than they went in at the beginning. But again, that that's not going to happen magically, mm -hmm. that it's going to take some intentional work on right. both sides. And I think the other thing, and you sort of alluded to this earlier when you were talking about the person who was speaking at the mm -hmm. session this morning and the impact on that um, caregiver is that this impacts caregivers just as much right. as it impacts patients. And remembering that as, as the person who's diagnosed, remembering that your loved one is struggling as well, mm -hmm. that they are going through major life changes, watching their partner, their spouse have to go through treatment, have to cope with all of these challenges is hard on that person as well. That just keeping that in mind, having that compassion for them, that that counts for a lot. Absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned that oftentimes the relationship becomes stronger and the couple grows closer. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely, from my work with LLS and working with the patients that, you know, come to us that use our resources, you know, I've definitely heard that, mm -hmm. you know, heard of that happening. Mm -hmm. But I've also heard the opposite as sure. well. Yeah. I've heard that, you know, I thought that my spouse was going to be there for me and then she wasn't. Or I thought that my, my spouse um, was going to offer me a lot more support and, he did not deal with it in the way that I thought he was going to. Yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit as well? Like what, what may be happening in those situations? Yeah, uh, yes, definitely. So, and I think that this is actually going to be one of the golden nugget takeaways, hopefully. <laughs> we love takeaways on the podcast. <laughs> yes. So if you don't listen to anything else, listen to this. <laughs> 
So one of the things, and this again goes back to sort of that sense of responsibility that I think people take on for being superhuman, is that I think we fall into these traps of assuming Mm -hmm. that our partner knows what we need and assuming that we know what our partner needs. And this happens in both directions. It happens for patients and survivors wanting their caregiver or their partner to instinctively know exactly how to step in and take care of them. And it happens with the the patient or survivor thinking that they understand what their partner is going through. And this can lead to all sorts of disasters, (laughs) all sorts of problems. Because really, again, in like the best case scenario, none of us can read each other's minds. None of us actually intuitively know what our partner needs, even though you might get better at that with time, the longer you've been with somebody, you might guess, you might guess better than you used to, or you might know because you've learned more about your partner than you did at the beginning. But cancer sort of throws everything into, you know, a wacky blender (laughs) and, and makes things that might've been true for you before, true for what you needed from your partner before, not true anymore at this time. So in those situations, I would say, The very best thing that you can do in your relationship on both sides is to get rid of those assumptions that you think you know how to take care of your partner in in both directions and that you think that your partner knows how to take care of you. So stop all of the mind reading. (laughs) Stop all of the testing because I think we sometimes do that in our normal relationships as well as during cancer. If he knew me well enough, if she loves me enough, Mm -hmm. all of that thing, then she would know I wouldn't have to ask. I wouldn't have to instruct. But the greatest gift that I think relationships can give, people in relationships can give to each other during this time is to simply say, say what you need, ask for what you need, teach your partner. That's so important because if you think about it, Cancer is a whole new uncharted territory for both of you. So you might think that, well, she knows what I like or he knows what I like. And, you know, I I made him chicken soup when he had the flu. So it's might be similar, you know, type of caregiving. But everything is so different. And the needs that each patient has are completely different. So it's a new world. And I don't, you're right. You don't, you can't just assume that your partner is going to be a mind reader. Communication is very important. And learning communication techniques is important too, because sometimes you can't just, it's very difficult for you to verbalize what it is that you're feeling or needing in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No. And I know because sometimes I say this to women in particular, because I think we tend to be a little bit worse about (laughs) wanting our partners to (laughs) intuitively know exactly what we need. So sometimes I'll say this to women and say, look, you just, you really need to tell your your husband, your partner, your spouse, what it is that you need from them. And, and she'll say, but what if I don't know for myself? And, and then I said, that's okay. If you don't know, say that's say you don't know right now. And right now all I need is for you to come over here and give me a hug or sit next to me on the couch and let me cry or leave me alone for a little bit while I work things out that it doesn't have to be an in the moment answer, but it's the intention that you're going to give those give those instructions in some way. <laughs> give that guidance to your mm-hmm. partner without just expecting from them that they're going to figure it out on their own. Okay, so we're here at CancerCon, which is <laughs> you know a conference for young adults. So I feel like a young adult couple will have different needs than perhaps a couple that has been 
together for 40 years, there's a lot of different life events that might be going on for the young adult couple as well. So what specifically do you think that this young adult community might need as far as, or advice that you might give them from the perspective of someone who works with couples? So actually, the first thing that I would say is that surprisingly, I find that couples young and old tend to struggle with a lot of the same things um, and tend to benefit from a lot of the same things. That's very interesting. So, you know, you think that there might be completely different sets of needs, but... Not always. And I mean, this is not an across the board thing, of course. I mean, definitely, I've sat down with people that are, you know, 50 years into their marriage and they're clearly in a different place than people who are <laughs> right. young and might have been in that stage of establishing careers and thinking about families and all the other things that go along with being a young adult. But I think a lot of the the foundation when it comes to communication and stress and support is the same. So really, I think that some of it is just about acknowledging and giving yourself permission to learn and grow together. And so if we're talking about a couple that's already in a relationship, we're not talking about dating right now. We can talk about that in a minute as well. (laughs) But if we're talking about a young adult couple that's already in a relationship, um, that's already trying to navigate all of the changes that they're going through during this stage of life, then I think that the very the first thing that you can do is to take that big step back and say, okay, we've got a lot on our plates <laughs> and we're going to take it one step at a time and try to figure it out and know that um, things are going to change, but things were going to change anyway during this period of time. We were going to face all of these challenges as we blend our lives together and now we're facing even more because mm-hmm. there's this other layer of health struggles added on top of it. So one thing that I think of when I think of, you know, younger couples or you know, couples early on in their marriage is there might be more to do than just take care of the person who is sick. You oh, might so have young mm-hmm. children and you might have aging parents. So you might be pulled in lots of different directions. Mm-hmm. So what are some maybe coping strategies or behavioral tips that you can give to people who might feel like they, they don't have a whole lot of time left for themselves or they might be at the end of the rope as far as caregiving and they might be close to experiencing burnout because of that stage of life, you just have a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. So first and foremost, I would say call in the troops. (laughs) And I know there's a wide range of how much support people have available to Mm -hmm. them, depending on if you live close to family, if you're, you've moved into a new area and don't have that support network built up. But if ever there was a time to ask for help, this is the time. Mm-hmm. So not to have that expectation that you are going to take on all things. Like we talked about, you are not a superhero. You can't do all of this. You need to be able to ask for help and prioritize the other things in your life as right. well as your partner who you're taking care of. You need to acknowledge the responsibility of raising a family if you have one, maintaining a job so that you can have health insurance so that you can continue to care for your spouse who's going through all of this. And those are all valid and it's not something to feel guilty for. And I know there's a lot of that guilt for people when they have to leave their partner either in the hospital or when they can't come to all of their appointments because they're, they're working, they're at school, they're wherever else they have to be. But letting go of that sort of, I'm responsible for 100% mm-hmm. and being willing to ask for help. And when people offer, accepting it. Right. It's so hard yeah. for us sometimes it's to so ask hard. for help yeah. or accept help. Like you were saying, 
you, you kind of want to take on this, you know, superhero mentality. Yeah. No, I can yeah. do it. Yeah. And then, you know, there's the, when you ask for help, there's always that guilt of being a burden. And mm -hmm. even, you know, it can be very hard to get over to, you know, admit to yourself that you do need assistance. And, you know, something that I was thinking about as you were just telling me this was the same young lady in the session this morning saying that, you know, any time that she felt she wasn't devoting energy to her husband, who was the one that was sick, she felt guilty about yeah. it. And I imagine that translates as well to asking for help. You know, if you think, oh, my mother-in-law has a has a spare hour that you want, you probably would direct her to help the patient instead of maybe taking some of the load off of yourself as a caregiver. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think it's important to kind of know that it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to, you know, like you said, share the load with the people that care about you. Yeah. Yeah. And even more than okay, I think it's Necessary. essential. Necessary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is a probably a really important conversation to have with your partner first. Um, how, because they might be able to offer some wisdom and insight from the perspective of the person that's um, going through this mm -hmm. to be able to say, hey, I can see that you're carrying this, 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 and this, and let's get some help for you. Because a lot of times the person that has cancer worries mm. about their caregiver right. and wants to be able to take care of them, help for them. And maybe it's easier for that person to reach out to your family and friends and say, hey, my husband, my wife needs a break. Can you step in and do XYZ for us so that he or she can go do whatever he or she needs <laughs> to do? And it can be selfish. You need to be able to be selfish during this time because... You have to take care of yourself. You have as to well. take care of yourself and your health and your Absolutely. mental well-being, or mm -hmm. else you're not going to be able to be a good caregiver. Yeah, yeah, and you know that's one of those things that I know that we talk about in mm -hmm. the cancer community, and caregivers still resist. Partners still resist. They're like, no, no, this isn't about me. It's about somebody else, and it's you know, it's I'm I'm here to care for them. I have to be self-sacrificing. Mm -hmm. And yes, but, right? Yes, you do are there for them. Yes, you do have a loved one going through cancer. But if you don't take care of yourself, then where is that person going to be <laughs> when you land in bed with a flu or whatever it is, when you're incapacitated because you've run yourself dry, mm -hmm. taking care of everybody else in your life? So it is, it's more than just fluffy encouragement. <laughs> it's definitely a necessity. Right. So switching gears for just a second, you'd mentioned dating, and then we can talk about dating in a second. And I know you mostly work with you know, couples who are already in relationships, yeah. but you know, especially for the young adult community, many of them are single, dating, you're re-entering the dating world after a cancer diagnosis. And there's so many challenges that come along with that. I spend a lot of time with our patients online. There are online forums for the patients to talk to each other and to LLS as well. And the things that I hear from patients who are not currently in a relationship, the fears. It's like, how can I uh, possibly take someone out on a date when I'm struggling financially because of my diagnosis? Or, you know, I, I don't know the right time to tell someone to, to disclose my, my cancer diagnosis if we're out on dates. You know, someone mentioned that they just kind of took themselves out of the dating world completely because it's like, you know what, this is something that I don't think I want to delve into right now. It's a whole nother like loaded bag of things I would have to deal with. Mm -hmm. So could you yeah. talk a little bit about what can someone expect when they're maybe like getting back into the dating world? My first reaction is that everybody's going to be different right? and that there's probably no rule of thumb about when it's for that, you know, you talked about that person that 
had decided to pull themselves out of the dating world, like good for them. Good for them for having that insight that they needed to do more work on themselves right. to heal, to recover, be ready. And that's fine. And that's good. And, and we should be selfish with mm -hmm. our recovery before we step back into dating and when to disclose, you know, it probably really depends on if you're out there dating because you just want to get back out there and date and have some fun and live life a little, or whether you've met a person that you really like and mm -hmm. you think you might want to build a relationship with. And that in those cases, it might be more important to think about disclosing earlier because right. it's something that you want to be long-term and you want to start on that footing of being open and mm -hmm. putting all of your baggage out of the date. I mean, you never want to do that on the first date. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've been in the dating world. Been, just to be honest here. And, you know, it goes without saying that the dating world is tough for everybody. Yes, it is you. not always fun to be, you know, single and dating and constantly putting yourself out there, you know, even after you might get hurt or feel rejected. And then, you know, adding on top of that, the way you might be feeling because of, you know, what you're going through with cancer can just be, like you said, like, it's a lot to deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think one of the first things I said was <laughs> relationships are hard. They're hard. <laughs> they're they're hard when you're in them. They're hard when you're not in them. <laughs> they're just hard. Relationships are hard even without illness without. or, you know, cancer. Any of these life events impacting that you maybe didn't even foresee. Relationships are hard to begin with. Yes. Relationships take communication and working together. Yeah. Um, no matter what. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I can imagine when you're entering back into the dating world and sharing your story that it becomes one of the stories that you share, mm -hmm. just like when you were dating before cancer, there were probably stories that you shared then as well, that at a certain point you had to decide if you trusted somebody enough to share those pieces of your history. And obviously, depending on where you are in, in treatment and how much cancer is impacting you on a day-to-day -day basis still, it's a bigger story or a smaller story. <laughs> but getting to that place that you feel strong enough in yourself, strong enough in the person that you're dating, trusting enough to share pieces of that or all of that with them. And then remembering that most likely they don't know very much about what it's like to be a young adult cancer survivor mm -hmm. because most people don't. Right. <laughs> and you might have to kind of start from the beginning. Right. Start from scratch. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So one thing that I wanted to ask you while you're here, you know, here at LLS, we believe in the power of resources. So, so, and I know that you're a social worker, so you believe the same thing. So what resources are available for couples who might not live in uh, near City of Hope, who might live somewhere else, who wants to benefit from some of the work that you've been doing? Yeah, so I always start with telling people to go to wherever they either are in treatment or have gotten treatment in the past and ask, mm -hmm. because I find that a lot of people have never even taken that simple step of asking what resources are available. So if you have social workers, chaplains, patient navigators, patient resource center, any of those labels, those are good places to start and say, do you have support groups? Do you have individual counseling? what is available through my hospital, my medical center. And if you're not connected with a hospital or medical center, but you're near one, a lot of times those groups that are offered, the support resources that are offered are open to the community as well. And this is another like little known secret. Nobody realizes this, that support groups that are run at hospitals are almost always open to anybody in the community, not just the patients at that hospital. So that's sort of like a quick way to get started. 
And then the next thing that I would suggest is getting online. So if you don't get any information through your medical center or through your clinic, that um, going to some of the major reputable organizations like Leukemia Lymphoma Society, like American Cancer Society, and finding out what resources they are aware of that are in your area. If you start Googling Mm -hmm. couples and cancer, you'll find a lot of articles Mm -hmm. and a lot of both like research-oriented articles that might be a little less interesting, but also some of the just sort of um, first-person perspectives on what it's like to go through this and how to better communicate and support one another. So that sort of would be step two of finding those resources out there in the community. And then if you are really struggling, I would encourage people to seek out therapy. Clearly, I'm a biased opinion, but I think couples therapy can be helpful for huge numbers of reasons across broad spectrums of our lives. But this in particular, just like this is a time to ask for help as a caregiver and as a patient for those practical things, this is definitely a time to ask for help navigating the challenges that you're experiencing in your relationship. So looking at your community for a therapist that has cancer experience, that has relationships experience, calling them first, doing a little phone interviews, seeing if it feels like it might be a good match. That can be incredibly helpful as well. And then I did want to throw out one resource came across my desk recently through the Dear Jack Foundation. They sponsor retreats for young adult couples who have gone through cancer treatment together recently. Um, So you can hop on their website too and see what they have coming up in the future. Excellent. Thank you. I, I definitely encourage all of our listeners to do exactly that. And of course, I will take this opportunity while we're talking about resources to talk about some of the resources that we at LLS offer for for young adults and for all of our patients. In addition to this podcast, we have educational publications that you can browse. They're completely free to download or order, browse by disease interest. We have an online chat, which is moderated by an oncology social worker. So that is also divided up by diagnosis, but also there's a young adult chat. So you can chat with other young adults. And similarly, we have an online patient forum called LLS Community. So less real time than the chats, but it functions like a social media page. We also put educational resources in there, but you can go on there and join join groups corresponding with who you want to talk to and just have these conversations. And one of the things that we do in LLS communities, we regularly survey the community, ask you know, questions we often ask about relationships. You know, how is your relationship with your spouse? What challenges have you found since your diagnosis? And then, you know, people will comment about it and then conversations will spark that way. So this is a really great opportunity for people to talk to other people who have, you know, gone through similar things, offer perspective, offer guidance and support, and it's really amazing. So I encourage all of our listeners to check these resources out. They can be found on our website, www.lls.org. We have tons of resources available for patients and caregivers, and we encourage you to check them out. So, Ellen, is there anything else you'd like to leave our listeners with? Any more nuggets of wisdom or takeaways? The last thing that I would like to leave our listeners with, especially those who are in relationships and those who are thinking about getting back out there and dating, is to remember to have fun. (laughs) And I think that that really is what CancerCon is all about. What we're here for Mm -hmm. is to, you know, their tagline, get busy living, that you don't want to slip into that position of being a caregiver and a patient forever, that you want to still be husband and wife, spouses, partners, romantic. You still want to do the things that you love, both individually 
and together, the things that spark joy in your relationship um, and that keep you connected. Mm -hmm. And that it's important to remember that those don't have to be big, that they can be very small and that small is just as important as the big things. Because I know a lot of people get stuck in that trap of, oh, we need to plan our next big vacation and then it gets thwarted. (laughs) But little date nights, special moments to connect, talking about things that are not cancer and treatment and all of the fun stuff that goes along with it. Those are hugely important during this time. Don't let them go. Don't let them go. <laughs> I mean, relationships, other core, are supposed to be fulfilling and, you know, all about love. And yes. Exactly. Yes. Right. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you have a really busy day here at CancerCon. You have a lot to do. So thank you for taking some time to talk to us and our listeners at home. I hope you have a great rest of your day here at CancerCon. Thank you. Thank you. And thank it you for joining us. to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Bloodline with LLS. We can be found on iTunes and other great podcatchers. You can subscribe at www.thebloodline.org. Be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous podcasts. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Keep up with LLS by following us on Twitter at LLSUSA and Facebook at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Until next time.